Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. This episode is brought to you in part by Noom. Forget one-size-fits-all diets. With Noom, you get a personalized weight loss plan that's tailored to your lifestyle. No food is off-limits. Enjoy your favorites while discovering healthier habits. Noom's users love the flexible approach, blending psychology and biology to help you lose weight in a way that's sustainable for you. And great news for foodies. Noom just released the Noom Kitchen Cookbook with 100 delicious, healthy recipes. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M. Com. Grab your copy of The Noom Kitchen wherever books are sold. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Dishing with Digest. I'm Stephanie Sloan, Editorial Director, here with Mara Levinsky, Senior Editor. Hi, everyone. Well, Mara, we're coming to a big week on Young and the Restless on two fronts. So Sally and Adam will make love at last, and there will be a health crisis for Dominic that is sure to push this Devon, Abby, and Chance story into even higher gear. So let me just say that I am on board for a Sally and Adam pairing. I feel that for some reason, the show hasn't really found a place yet for Courtney Hope Sally, who I think is such a great character and has so much potential. And I feel this could possibly ground her more in the canvas, which will be great. But I also think there's chemistry between Courtney and Adam's portrayer, Mark Grossman. So, you know, count me in. As for the Dominic story, I'm so curious to see where this is going. Our sound off inbox has been flooded with emails about how upset fans are with Devon's perspective in this tale. Yeah, I have to say that I understand where the criticism seems to be coming from. You know, this is a soap, so it's not very likely that they're going to tell a surrogacy story or a sperm donor story where all the parties are harmonious and there is no drama surrounding custody issues. But I think, you know, Devon has a lot of very loyal fans who are very familiar with his on-screen trajectory. And some of the twists and turns that have been part of this saga where that character is concerned are striking some of those viewers as out of character. So I will be very curious to see if the show can find a way to move the story in a direction that possibly addresses some of those concerns and brings it home in a way that is satisfying to viewers. Uh, but that story has definitely gotten people talking. And between that story, the ongoing dismay of Skyle fans, the viewer divide over the devil story on days and the love-hate relationship that GH fans have with the Sunny Carly, Nina triangle, the sound off inbox is seeing a lot of action. Oh, it definitely is. I mean, I'm going to say it again. The Skyle fans write me all the time. People think that I'm only pulling letters of theirs, but they really are the ones who write the most. Um, And now we are hearing from the Devon fans. Uh Um, But another big tune in this week will be on Bold and Beautiful, where Ridge and Deacon are going to come to serious blows in the aftermath of Ridge, finding out that Deacon and Brooke kissed on New Year's Eve. Now, I know that the show has been building to this moment for what feels like a long time, but really considering that they kept the baby Beth secret under wraps for eight months, the fact that they're going to blow this wide open kind of a month after it happened is a pretty quick turnaround as far as I'm concerned. Uh I mean, it 
also seems clear that they're building to another Brook Ridge Taylor triangle or quadrangle with Deacon involved. And, you know, I'm interested to see how that all plays out, especially now that we have Krista Allen playing Taylor. It is going to feel a little different. And I'm just sort of interested to see the dynamics between all of these actors and to see if there is more gold to mine with these characters. Yeah, totally. So there is also a lot going on coming up on GH, uh, where Valentine's Day plays into next week. We are going to see Esme foiled when she pays a holiday visit to Spencer at Spring Ridge and some really fun Brad and Brit stuff. And also Terry is going to make a surprising love connection. And I'm related to the holiday. Austin and Dr. Obrecht are going to team up to try to get information out of Victor Cassidyne, something I am really looking forward to because number one, Charles Shaughnessy, who plays Victor, told me that he had a total blast shooting it. And number two, I really miss the on-screen chemistry that Roger Howarth and Kathleen Gotti had as Franco and Obrecht. So I think it's really fun that they're putting Austin and Obrecht into a little caper together. Me too. And I'm so excited to see them work together. Um, and I am also loving Charles Shaughnessy as Victor. I mean, as a longtime Days viewer, I thought I might only see him as Shane, but I think he fits right into poor Charles, which, as we know, was his first soap home. And I just love that they're using him so much. Uh, now, speaking of GH, our guest today is part of the beloved Davis clan. It's Emmy winner Lexi Ainsworth, who first began playing Christina in 2009 and was quite the factor in pushing Nina and Sunny into bed. Uh -huh. So let's get her on the line and see how it's all going for her. Hi, Lexi. Hi, how are you? Good, how are you? Good to be on the podcast. Yes, well, we are so happy you were able to join us today, um, and I'm excited to get to know more about you. Um, so let's start. You are an Oklahoma native who became a professional actress before she was out of her teens, which is not the most common story. So explain how you started performing and how you went pro, if you will, at such a young age. Well, I had a lot of energy as a kid, so my parents put me into every, every activity they could find um, from, you know, all different types of sports, basketball, soccer. Uh, I was on the dive team. I, I did everything. And then I gravitated more towards the arts. So I, I grew up doing ballet, um, which led into musical theater, um, which then brought me to like the only on-camera acting class in Oklahoma. Um, and we there was a workshop going on. Um, there was a manager from LA that was doing a workshop in Oklahoma and she does a summer camp in LA. And I somehow convinced my mom when I was 11 to, to let me go to the summer camp. She, she came with me, but, um, after the end of that camp, they had a showcase with agents and an agency wanted to sign me. And we were like, okay, this is, this is cool. Like, all right, well, we got to go back home and like go to school. And they're like, no, you have to stay here for, you know, auditions. And we're like, well, what about school? And they're like, well, you homeschool. And back in Oklahoma, like the only people that are homeschooled are people that live like on a farm or are super religious. So it was like very strange, but my mom does have a teaching background. Um, she's an art teacher, but she, she did some substitute teaching, teaching. So she was a little bit familiar with it, but yeah. So my mom homeschooled me while I, we went back and forth between Oklahoma and LA until high school. And then they gave me the decision to either, cause I wanted to be in a real school for high school. And so they said I could choose whether I wanted to be in Oklahoma or LA which is a really difficult decision at that age at 14, but I think I ended up making the right decision. So, <laughs> yeah. And just for the record, LA won. <laughs> yes, LA won. <laughs> 
So you, I believe, booked your very first professional audition, which was for a Barbie commercial. Do you remember anything about being on the set for that commercial? Oh my gosh, that was such a long time ago. I I remember it was a Barbie guitar commercial. And I think in the audition, we were just improvising with the guitar. I don't even, I don't know what I was doing, but whatever I did obviously got me the job. Um, and I, I remember, I don't remember a lot. I, I remember getting my hair and makeup done because it was very exciting. That was the first time I ever had my hair and makeup professionally done. Um, and I remember my line. I said, cool guitar. Where'd you get that? And that was my line. <laughs> very memorable. <laughs> good, good, wholesome fun. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely saying that to you in the hallway the next time I see you there at General Hospital. Oh my God. <laughs> Oh, well, as you mentioned, you did make the full-time move to California when you were 14 to start high school. Um, now, you've mentioned before that you have ADD, and that made it difficult for you to focus in school. So how old were you when you were diagnosed? Um, the first time my teacher wanted me to be diagnosed was in kindergarten, and then again in first grade. Um, so I had to undergo a lot of different testing. I had to go see a therapist so they could diagnose me. And I was diagnosed as ADD, but I didn't want to be on medication. And my parents had a difficult time convincing me to take medication, so I didn't. Um, but it was really difficult for me in school because I just wouldn't sit down. I was always like my kindergarten teacher would call me her little butterfly because I would never just be able to sit still. Um, but as I got older, I was able to manage it better. I, I have been on and off medication throughout the years. Once I got to an age where I was able to make that decision for myself. Um, but yeah, I think homeschooling, because I left, I, I was homeschooled from middle school. I think that may have helped a lot because I didn't have as many distractions. It was just my mom and I. So I think, um, as far as my like academia was concerned at that point, I was doing pretty well. Um, and then in high school, I was lucky enough to find, um, an alternative school. I was able to kind of customize it to my life. So they were very flexible with me organizing my classes in a way where I was able to leave for auditions. Um, the teachers actually cared about what they were teaching, which made me more interested in, in learning. Um, and they just had a very different approach that I resonated with. So I was very lucky that I was able to find that school. You know, I have, um, a lot of close friends with ADD and I've learned more about it. And one of the major takeaways I feel like I have is that it's very misunderstood and the way that it manifests in people. I think people have, you know, if they don't have familiarity with it, have a different conception of it. Can you talk about how it like plays out for you? Like even now that you're older. Um, time management is, <laughs> is a tricky one for me. <laughs> Something that I constantly have to work on it. Um, I, I just have so many things going on in my brain, which is great. And I think common for a creative person, but uh, it's kind of difficult for me to do one task at a time. I, I can't, I can't multitask, but yeah, I try, I like my brain kind of goes all over the place. I'm like, Oh, I need to do this. And then I forget that I needed to do that thing. And, um, like even talking, <laughs> sometimes I'll just go off on a tangent and be like, well, what was I talking about? <laughs> so, um, but there's certain ways that I have learned to cope with it through meditating, um, 
and meditation and yoga are a huge part of my life now. Um, and I think I, I can only speak from, from myself personally, but I think also with people with ADD struggle with anxiety, at least I do. Um, I think because it's an overactive mind thing. Um, so finding ways to deal with that, like yoga and the meditation have really helped me with both of those things. I think they kind of go hand in hand. Um, and yeah, and just working, it's a muscle, like just working on being better with my time. Like I'm so much better <laughs> than I used to be. And I'm, I'm back in school now and taking some classes online. So just pushing myself, um, to continue to learn and grow and, and things, things that require structure are great for me to throw myself into. So I do a lot of that. Um, but it's tough with the industry because that doesn't really have a lot of structure, which is why I seek it in other places. Mm -hmm. Makes sense. Mm -hmm. Um, now one of your first big jobs was playing Tilly on two episodes of the Gilmore Girls. So tell us about your experience on that show. That was a dream job for me because I watched the show and I was, I'm a huge fan of that show. So, um, to get to meet the cast was awesome. And to be on that set was a dream come true. Um, and everyone was so nice. Um, I got to work with kids my age too, which was fun. Um, soccer was not my, my sport though. So, <laughs> which is kind of funny that I, I mean, not that you really get to see me play, but it was funny. Cause that was like my least favorite sport. Um, but yeah, it was, it was a really fun experience. Still one of my favorite things I've done. Well, uh, let's take it uh, a few years uh, ahead or let's jump a few years ahead to 2009. That is when general hospital was on the hunt for an actress to play Christina, the daughter of, uh, Alexis and Sunny. Uh, two, you know, like somewhat important characters, I think it's safe to say. Uh, so tell us your GH casting story. So if I remember, well, so before I got this audition, I was actually planning on moving back to Oklahoma because things were not going well. And I was already in high school. I was 16. Um, but I was like, okay, this is going to be the last summer. If I don't book anything this summer, I'm going home. I'm just going to be, cause I miss my friends and, it's really tough for me. Um, difficult for me to be away from my friends and family. And so I was like, well, if things don't pan out this summer, I'm going home. So then I auditioned for general hospital. I think I had two rounds of callbacks, um, and a chemistry read, I believe a chemistry read with Steve Burton. Um, and then, uh, I tested, there was like a testing day where I was on set. Um, so they didn't initially offer me the contract. I think it was just based on how I did that day. Um, and, or maybe it was, I don't know if it was over a, a period of like one day or a few days, but they, it was like, there was a trial period to see if I could handle, handle it. Cause it was a lot of, it's a lot of material to memorize and it's a lot of, uh, you know, emotions <laughs> that you have to express. And so, yeah, they just wanted to make sure before they offered me the contract that I could do it. Um, and so I remember the first scene that I had was with, um, Steve and they called me the day before and they said, so how do you feel about being in your bra and underwear? And I was like, uh, well, it's not going to be more revealing than a swimsuit. Right. And they're like, Oh yeah. I was like, okay. So I was really nervous. They ended up putting me in like boxer shorts and a bra, but still I was like really nervous. This is my first scene. It was with Steve. Um, and several yeah. years later, here we are. 
Well, I remember Kimberly McCullough saying that having been a child actor herself at the show, she took a real interest in you and Haley Poulos, who plays Molly, and tried to give you some of the benefit of her experience. You know, as you look back, who would you say were your mentors when you first started? I feel like everyone was really, really great. Um, they all had advice and words of wisdom. Um, I think for me, because... Uh, I did most of my scenes with my family, I would say Nancy and Maurice, just because I spent the most time with them. And we have, we really do have a bond. Um, and we have so much history now that we've been working together for all these years. Um, where like, I do think, consider them like my second parents, uh, my TV parents. So, um, and I think that they're, they are very like protective over me and, um, they've given me a lot of like great advice over the years, like on set, but also like, you know, things with my personal life. So, um, yeah, I'm very grateful to have them. So as you mentioned, when you started on GH, you were still in high school, which meant that you had to spend, I believe, three hours of your day in the GH classroom. So what are your memories of attending school at the studio and um, maybe also trying to avoid spending those three hours a day at the studio? Um, yes, I would hide out in the hair and makeup room so I didn't have to go to school. <laughs> <laughs> and, it, and it worked, it worked, but um, <laughs> yeah, I still ended up having to do my school later. So it just prolonged the inevitable. <laughs> <laughs> What did you do like for those three hours a day? Like, so like, did, did were you taught? Did you just have to do homework from your other school? Yeah. Why didn't you want to be there? Why didn't you want to be there, Lexi? School was never my thing, but, uh, but yeah, I think at that point I had already left, um, New Roads where I went to high school, the, uh, and then I switched to a homeschooling program and they have their own curriculum. So we were going off of that. So whatever I needed to do with that curriculum, I would do that on set. So the teacher just is making sure that I'm doing my work. She's not necessarily giving, uh, assigning me homework. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But then I ended up uh, taking the California exit exam and graduating early. Nice. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> yeah. Well, one of your first big storylines at the show was Christina's abusive relationship with Kiefer, which was heavy subject matter to say the least. So what stands out to you as you look back at that time on the show and sort of hearing about that story, executing that story, and just that whole arc that you played? Uh, I think it was a privilege to been given that storyline. I, I think... Um, I think the writers did it justice by playing it out in real time and showing the evolution of an abusive relationship. Um, I think that's so important. Um, and also just for the audience, but also for me as the actor, because it just made it all the more real. Um, and I was adamant about doing my own stunts um, for that. And I, and I'm so happy that I did because I just think that it, it helped me as an actor really go there. Um, and I think it wasn't really at that time. Um, there weren't a lot of those storylines out there. So I think General Hospital has always done a great job of um, bringing certain subjects that may be taboo for whatever reason um, into the forefront and um, starting certain discussions that we, we should be having with, in this case, with, um, teens. Mm -hmm. 
Agreed. Were you intimidated at all when you first heard that they were giving you such a heavy story? I knew the weight, like how, how, uh, I knew how impactful the story could be. So I, yes, I did feel a certain amount of pressure. Um, but as an actor, I was extremely excited to be able to take on that challenge. Um, I think whenever I see something like that, I, I, I don't immediately think, oh my gosh, that's just going to be really overwhelming. I'm like, oh my gosh, like this is meaty. Like this is great. I can like dive into like, because I also have an interest in psychology. So just trying to understand, you know, why people do certain things and fall into this sort of pattern behaviors. And it's, it's all really interesting to me. So um, I was just really excited to be given the opportunity. And you were fantastic in that story, as as you always are. Um, so th- the dynamic between the Davis girls that GH fans love so much was certainly established and was a strong part of your first run. The Davis girls, of course, are the matriarch, Alexis, played by Nancy Lee Gron, and uh, Christina's two sisters, Kelly Monaco's Sam and Haley Belos's Molly. Uh, it's awesome to have you all together again. Uh, but tell us about your uh, off-screen relationships with your on-screen sisters, Kelly and Haley. Well, I think we we joke around with each other just like sisters do in real life. I think we do have that sort of relationship, um, and we we share like our personal lives with each other. We talk about boys and we talk about, you know, I mean, we've known each other for such a long time. So we've gone through a lot, um, breakups and losses of, you know, family members, like deaths of family members and, um, friends and it's, yeah. So, um, they've, you know, especially if I have like a, or any of us have like a rough day on set, like they're always there to comfort me or I'm always there to comfort them. Um, so I think we are really there for one another, um, which I think is really special to have like that sort of relationship. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, you mentioned Maurice and Nancy uh, were mentors to you early on and now are almost like second parents to you. If you can talk a little bit more about the role they play in your life, that would be great. Yeah. Um, I was recently on Maurice's podcast, which I was so happy to be on. That was awesome. I know his family, his family pretty well. I've um, spent some time in Temecula and met all of his <laughs> crazy animals that he has there. I was say, have you met Buddy the goat? <laughs> I don't know if I've met. There's so many. I, I he had his <laughs> at one point, which I thought was the craziest, but half zebra, half horse. Um, yeah. still have that. But um, and then Nancy. Um, I am like pretty close with her daughter. Um, I mean, we don't hang out like all the time, but like we follow each other on Instagram and we, you know, chat every now and then. Um, but yeah, it's, it's pretty cool to have those connections kind of outside of the workplace too. Um, I have to tell you how highly both Nancy and Maurice speak about you to me. And I always love to hear it, but it's, it's really, really so sweet how clearly genuinely thrilled they are every time they get to work with you and how proud they are of the young lady that you have blossomed into over the course of the time that they've known you. Um, So in 2011, uh, the character of Christina was written off the show, much to the dismay of many fans and many of your co-stars and many soap opera digest editors. How did you take it? 
Well, at that time, um, they had been trying to pair me with, um, they tried to pair me with uh, Brandon Brash for like a hot second. They tried to pair me with Nathan Parsons, which the fans were like, they're too old. He's too old. He's too old. And, um, and I guess instead of finding someone my age, they just decided to age my character. Um, so yeah, it was like a year short of my contract, I think. Um, but yeah, it was, um, it was hard. It was tricky, but, um, I was also able to do other things in that time. So, you know, I was trying to be positive about it. Um, you know, I obviously really enjoyed working with everyone at General Hospital. Uh, and, but I was, you know, able to work on other things. So I think it ended up working out the way that it was supposed to. And it's, I'm happy to be back. And I'm glad that I've been able to kind of be on the show and also be able to do other things. So I think um, it's been a nice balance. Of course, I'd like to work, you know, more and be on the show more, but um, it's not, <laughs> not up to me. Um, but I always enjoy working there when I do. But I think it is also nice being able to, to have other, you know, opportunities. Mm -hmm. Well, the show did recast Christina with Lindsay Morgan, which didn't work out in the long run. And then in 2015, you were back on the show. So what do you remember about how that came about and how it felt to return at that time? Um, I had just gotten back from Thailand and I got a phone call from my agent and my manager and maybe Mark was also on the phone. I can't remember. And they asked me, well, how would you feel about coming back to journal hospital? And I was like, I don't know. I didn't really think that was, you know, an option. And they're like, well, they want you to come back. When do you want to come back? And I said, yeah, that'd be great. Um, and I remember being really nervous because it had been a few years. And so I hadn't seen anyone. Um, I, I don't know if I saw anyone after, I left. I can't remember. But either way, I was really nervous and um, walking the halls again. It was very nostalgic. Uh, and all the same people were there, which made it comforting. Um, but it's like it's a different show than any other. So like getting back into that routine, like took me a minute of just how like fast paced it is. Um, hitting your mark, like with single camera shows like you move the camera around and like it, they piece together but like with multi-camera like general hospital and other soaps you have to be right on that mark at that particular time for that camera to get your shot and it's very technical and so that took me like a minute to get back into the groove of but um but yeah it was it was a nice reunion and I'm, I'm happy that I'm back and get to work with my, my old family again. Well, that era I think was a really, um, like fertile time in the character of Christina's life. And she went through, uh, a really, uh, beautiful to watch coming out arc. And she developed strong feelings for a woman who also happened to be a professor that was messy. Um, but there was such a huge fan response to that pairing of Parker and Christina we got so much mail about them, both when you were on the show and when you weren't on the show. So tell us about working with Ashley Jones, who played Parker, to create that relationship and that storyline. Well, Ashley was amazing to work with. She's such a generous actress. Um, 
and it was she just made it really easy to work with like she's just yeah we were just so comfortable with each other and I think that was the most important piece of that was just being so being open and comfortable with each other um and then with that comes the the chemistry but um yeah I mean we spent time obviously off screen like developing that a little bit um and making sure that it felt real and authentic um because we wanted to do the storyline justice um and I think we did. It's a shame that it kind of just died and fizzled out. Um, but I know, I know not everyone had such a great reaction to that storyline, which is, which I honestly and unfortunately expected, but I was also happily surprised that there was a good amount of people who did support it. So I am happy for that. And I'm happy that the writers, you know, took a leap and, did that storyline maybe at some point we revisit it well we'll see well i can say i can back mara up with there were so many letters that emails that came in from really supportive people of that story they loved it and so i think it would return to any sort of story in that capacity would be very welcome by the fans. Um, well, in 2017, you won the Daytime Emmy for Outstanding Younger Actress. So before we get into Emmy night itself, tell us about the dress you were wearing, which has a special place in GH history. Yes. Yeah, so back when I was on the show the first time around, when I was, I want to say I was probably 17 or 18 maybe, you, you guys would probably know the year that um, uh, Brenda got married, Brenda and Sonny. It was definitely 2010 or 2011. Let's say 2011. I was in that wedding. I was a flower girl at the wedding. I fell in love with her dress. And I was told my mom, I was like, mom, I want to, I have to buy this dress. I have to have this dress. I want it for my wedding. I want it. She's like, you're going to want something else by the time you get married. I was like, no, like this is a dress. Like it's gorgeous. It's like has this beautiful beading on it and this big like pastel pink bow, like chiffon bow. Like it was gorgeous. And she looked amazing in it. And I... I don't know why, but when I, when I was nominated for the Emmy, I was like, oh, I wonder if they still have that dress. And of course they did because it's such an iconic dress, um, Oscar de la Renta. Um, and I was like, is there any way that I can borrow it? And they're like, it's a wedding dress. It's like, yeah, but it's got a pink bow on it. Like we could do it. We could pull it off. And they let me borrow it. And I was thrilled. Um, it was, I felt like, Cinderella. <laughs> you look like Cinderella too. You look beautiful. Um, okay, now tell us what stands out about the night and hearing your name called and all that good stuff. I think the most special part about the night was that I got to have both of my parents there um, because I think in the years past, one year I had my sister there. I think we only get a plus one. So usually it would be like my mom would go, but this year, for whatever reason, both my parents went. And um, yeah, so I was sitting, was I sitting in between them? I can't even remember. But I was sitting next to them and my name was called. And I was actually, I was so nervous. I was like, I just don't even want them to call my name because I was so nervous about getting my speech because I didn't want to read off of a piece of paper off of my phone. And I wanted to have it memorized. And people are always surprised when I say that I am terrified of public speaking because I'm an actress. But the difference is that as an actor, you're playing someone else. And when you're, you know, public 
doing like public speaking, you are yourself. So you don't have anything to hide behind. <laughs> it's, you're just completely vulnerable and open. Um, but I've gotten better over the years. And you did it. You were great that night. Yeah. Yeah. So I somehow managed to pull, pull it through. All right. So later in 2017, the Christina Parker storyline was heating up um, and getting hotter by the second with the surprise addition of Brittany Serpy's Valerie. It looked like there was going to be a triangle there. But then you went ahead and got cast in another big job, a multi-episode arc on major crimes. And so that uh, there was, a, there was a, a pause there on General Hospital. So tell us about your experience on major crimes. That was, it was a really cool opportunity for me. Um, I got to bleach my hair. Um, I got to play a character that I haven't played before. Um, I was an escort. <laughs> I, I hadn't really done any sexy roles before that one. So that was, was fun to get to, to do something different. Well, eventually you returned to GH again, and our dear Christina spent the bulk of 2019 getting indoctrinated into Dawn of Day, falling under the sway of its charismatic leader, Shiloh, and ultimately requiring deprogramming by a psychiatrist. So the storyline is, of course, better known by its nickname, the sex cult story. So do you remember how you reacted when you found out that that's what the show had in store for Christina? I was kind of like, huh, okay. I was, I was curious as to how they were going to do it. Um, I didn't know a lot about cults before this. I mean, I, I have a general idea, but I um, had to watch a bunch of documentaries um, before I did the storyline and um, tried to understand the types of people who would fall into um, a cult and, um, yeah, what, what would bring them there. and kind of the psychology or brainwashing that was taking place. Um, so it was interesting. Um, I didn't really know where they were headed with it the whole time I was doing it. So I was just kind of, I was just as surprised as you guys were. <laughs> Every time I got the script, I was like, oh, okay. Um, so I was just along for the ride with that one. Um, and yeah, I mean, I think, I think, um, I don't know. I got I got some mixed reviews on that one from, from fans. I think a lot of people were confused by it, but I don't think a lot of people know. I mean, I don't know anyone who's joined a cult, so I think it could be tough for people to wrap their heads around as to why someone would. Because I was in the same position until I watched um, all of these different documentaries, and I began to understand. Oh, okay. Like I can see how someone, given their childhood or some some traumatic event or something that would maybe lead them to this and that cults are a real thing and it's not like a made-up thing like people are people join cults it's real it's just people don't really talk about it that much it just it's not like topic of conversation <laughs> you know i'm thinking if you're you know if you ever sit down with some castmates and like go story for story and get points for like you know never been done in daytime before. You've got a couple points on your, on your, uh, on your side of the equation there. Yeah. I mean, that was also part of, part of why I was like, yeah, let's do it. Cause I, you know, first time for everything. 
Okay, so since Christina broke out of the cult, uh, we of course still see her with her family and uh, on the job at Charlie's. Like, it is very surprising to me that she's still working at Charlie's. Well, while we do see Christina in these contexts, we don't really know a lot about what might be going on in her personal life. Um, do you wish you knew more about what was going on with Christina? And like, if you know, would, would you would you like a love interest on the show? And I'm sh- I'm sure you're aware that fans would like that. Yeah, I think for me, of course, like I have to make up what I'm doing. Like I have my own kind of general backstory of what I've been up to. Um, I mean, just to remind people that she she has a sex life and that that's a part of her life, but it's not everything. Like she can have her career and she can, you know, have something else going on. But I think right now she's just... Um, Supporting her family, which I think is also great and important. And I'm, and, um, I obviously love my favorite scenes are with my, my family. So, um, so it's been, it's been good, but, but yeah, I wouldn't be opposed to her going on a few dates and maybe getting a promotion of some kind. She's more than earned it. Yeah. Even when we only see you on the show every so often, you make a big impact with your screen time. So many people, including myself, and I could talk about this all day, were blown away by the beautiful work you did when Christina reunited with Sonny, when he turned up alive at the end of next year. I mean, I know the word scene stealer maybe has a bit of a negative connotation as though you were trying, but like you you were unbelievable. Um, so, uh, Maurice was one of those people besides me and Mara who thought you were fabulous as was Dominic Zampronia. So what do you remember about shooting that? I, I don't think I had been there in a while. So I think there was that like, but also every time, anytime I look at Maurice, like he's just, he's so emotionally available that I can just look into his eyes and just start crying. So, um, but but yeah, I just put myself in the mindset of, of just really convincing myself that he was gone and, and it worked. I don't know. I just, I, I mean, I, I do some prep, like when in the dressing room beforehand, like I'll listen to music to get me in that kind of headspace. Um, and then you just have to kind of throw everything away because, um, otherwise it'll just look forced. So I'm really lucky that I had great people to work off of. Cause I don't think that can, that doesn't always happen where you can just throw it away and just like be able to work off of someone else. Um, but it did in this instance. So <laughs> I remember, I think Dominic telling me that something went awry during, they had to do it again. It was, I did. I mean, yeah, I, I, we, we had to do it twice which is like not a big deal. Everyone messes up. Um, I had to do it a second time because the camera didn't get my face uh, crying in the first take. take. Um, That was it. (laughs) I think it's all the more impressive if what we saw was the second take and you nailed it on the first try. I think I was frustrated and everyone else is frustrated because we're like, oh, that was such a good one. And... And I don't think people thought that I could maybe do it again, or I don't know. And I was just like, I'm going to do it again. And I, <laughs> I was already there. So it wasn't like hard for me to like do it again. If, if I, if it had been like five minutes later and they were like, oh, that didn't work out. And I'd be like, oh, I'm like, that sucks. But I was already in that headspace. So to do it a second time was not, 
um, a big deal for me, but on a soap, it's, it's, I guess, a big deal to have to do a second take. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay. A couple other, you know, recent Christina things we want to get your take on. Uh, At long last, we got to see Christina react to the fact that her half brother and her half sister are in a romantic relationship. Thank goodness that was, that needed to be said and addressed. Uh, Were you happy that Christina got to have a reaction to that? Yeah, I was kind of like, is no one going to say anything about this? Um, And I think the audience also was like, yeah, something we need to address the elephant in the room. And those were fun scenes because they were light, silly, like sister scenes. Um, It's nice to have those in there. It's it's it makes it a more real relationship when you have those scenes. And then when you have scenes where we're fighting and mad at each other, because that's also real. And then also scenes where we we get to be there for one another because that's real. Um, so I like when we have different types of scenes that make it like a multi-dimensional relationship. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, Alexis, uh, has, has been buddying up with Harmony, uh, which Christina is not a hundred percent comfortable with given that Harmony was Shiloh's sidekick and, you know, was part of the whole trauma that she went through with Dawn of Day. Uh, so what's your take on how Christina is handling this burgeoning closeness between Alexis and Harmony? I think she's handling it really well. I think, I think this shows a lot of growth from her, um, to be able to put everything aside that's that's happened to her that's not an easy thing to do um I mean I'm sure once she sees her some might trigger her a little bit but um yeah I think Christina just has obviously wants her mother to be happy has a lot of love for her and wants the best for her so whatever that means she supports that um but yeah I'd be interested to see if like Christina and Harmony get to have a scene together um, where we get to talk about it. That would be good and welcome, I'm sure. Um, now, just last week, you had really, I mean, again, high impact scenes with Maurice when Christina had to tell her dad that Carly wasn't coming to the Haunted Star, where he had planned this big romantic surprise to try to win her back. Uh, Maurice raved to Mara about that day of work with you. You also had great scenes with Laura Wright. Um, so tell us what stands out to you about that episode. Oh, that was a heartbreaking episode. It was so sad. Um, to have to break that news to him was so hard because the light in his eyes, I quickly just like dimmed that and broke his heart. Um, yeah, he was... Maurice has done such a great job with this with the storyline. It was just great to be a part of that. I'm I'm happy that they wrote Christina in for that scene. Um, I think there's just a lot of love between the two of them, and hopefully, I, I think it showed in those scenes. Um, and yeah, I mean, we'll see we'll see kind of what happens. I I don't know I don't know what's gonna come after these scenes if Christina is going to talk to Carly at all, like in person, that could be interesting. Um, Christina talking to Nina is something that fans also would really like. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've never had a scene with her and she's Cynthia Watros is such a great actress. It would be, it'd be great to have a scene with her. So when you are not playing Christina and snuffing the light out of Sunny's eyes, how do you like to spend your time away from the studio? 
Well, yoga is a big part of my life. Um, I love getting outside, going on hikes. Um, I've been getting into paddleboarding recently um, and getting back into tennis because that that was one of my New Year's resolutions, I think, last year, which didn't pan out too well. Um, but one of my other resolutions this year is to read more. So I am reading more books, which is great. And I'm in school right now. I'm working on getting a degree. I'm taking some classes at SMC and planning on transferring to either USC or UCLA. And yeah, I'm, I'm writing a bit here and there. I'm still undecided as to what my major will be, either, either journalism, either broadcast journalism or um, TV and film production. So we'll see. Yeah. I'm very lazy. Very lazy. You should be embarrassed. I have to stay busy when I'm not working. People always ask me, they're like, what do you do when you're not working? Like, actually, I like I try to keep myself pretty busy. Otherwise, I just go insane. Right. Well, you, you know yourself. <laughs> keeping the keeping the schedule booked. Gotta have the schedule, yeah. Well, before we let you go, when you think about your GH journey from the day you got the job, which was the same day you got your driver's license, if I'm not mistaken, until Mm -hmm. now, can you sum up what being a part of the show has meant to you on both a personal and professional level? I mean, I think it's the best training that I could ever have. It's the most, I mean, if you can be a soap actor, actor, I think you can do anything because it it's not easy, but it's, uh, very rewarding when, when you have a good day and you hit your mark and you get all your lines out and you've memorized all your pages and, and you get to connect emotionally with the people in those scenes. And yeah, I mean, that's what it's all about for me. Um, and so, yeah, I think from day one until now, I've just, developed all of these great relationships with these people who have become like my second family. Um, and it's such a unique experience. I don't think anyone can have it outside of this. So it's, it's really special. Well, we hope to see you more so you can make more special moments and we appreciate all your time today. And thank you so much for joining us and uh, hope to talk to you soon. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you to Lexi Ainsworth for being our guest. If you like this podcast, please subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Be sure to pick up a new issue on sale now and come back next week for another podcast. Podcast.